This is The Guala Story, an exploration of the rise, fall, and reinvention of a startup. Hosted by its creator, Josh Williams. I'm Dan Benjamin, and this is our first episode. Hey, Josh. Hey, Dan. So you're working on some really cool stuff. I've been privy to it. I've been able to see it because you've shown me, but... There's a lot of stuff that you've been doing there, and it's not often that an original founder of a company of an app gets the opportunity to kind of come back to it and rebuild it and revisit it the way that you guys have with with Gowala. Tell me about how did this how did this come to pass that now you're working on something amazing and new, and what exactly are you guys building? Well, this isn't the place that I expected a year ago to find myself right now talking about uh, a product that uh, we started working on originally uh, a dozen years ago and are now having the chance to to reimagine for a new uh, a new day and time. Right. Uh, but for those who you know don't know, Guala was this location based social app that um, was loved by its community and reached somewhat of a fever pitch of media hype and then uh, was unceremoniously shut down after our team was acquired by by Facebook. And frankly, like the outcome has haunted me for a decade now. And you <laughs> often, you know, uh, and not that, not, not that like the acquisition by Facebook was was a necessarily a, a bad thing. You know, it's, it's much better than a poke in the eye with a sharp stick. But um you know, in terms of like consolation prizes, it, it was it was a great place to to land at the time. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, not what you know, not what our obvious outcome had been. We we wanted to build a, you know, an independent, sustainable company, and and we we didn't, you know, make it there. And the themes, you know, it was this idea of using your. Uh, using technology to inspire people to explore the world is something that uh, I've wanted to go back to for some time. But, you know, these startups are they're hard and they take a toll on you personally and they take a toll on your relationships and family. And the the exchange has to be worth it. Uh, and for a long time, I wasn't convinced that I'd ever make it, you know, back uh, around to this. Uh, and it was, you know, really, you know, kind of a, a year ago that the the pieces you know, started to fall into play. And, and the, the three kind of like gating factors, um, you know, one, uh, my family and I, we'd, we'd left San Francisco, we left the city, and I really didn't have any intention to like go back and build a company. And this idea that, um, you know, you have to have your big office and everyone there and build the team, uh, you know, has still been very prevalent in, you know, Silicon Valley circles. You know, I was going to ask you about that because especially sort of in the post-COVID world with even big companies that are famous for going out of their way to build like really remarkable structures to house their employees, Apple, for example, even those companies haven't completely, you know, all come back together. And some have said that they never will. And I, I was curious if that had affected kind of the perception of what, what's going on out there. It, it certainly has. And, and all of a sudden, everybody, you know, found themselves working from home. And I think for right. a lot of, you know, founders, there's this realization that, oh, man, I can work with the best people that I've always wanted to work with, regardless of where they are. And kind of this um, theater that we put up of, you know, all of us have to be in the same room. And, and there are benefits to this. But now, you know, investors aren't aren't giving, you know, second thought about where the company is going to be located. In fact, they're decamping themselves. And 
And so I realized that there's this window of like, man, uh, I could, you know, uh, you could pull together the people, you know, from wherever to, to build this thing if you want to. Um, and then the, the second bit that uh, has always kind of, you know, bothered me is if you're going to go out and disrupt your life and, and raise money to do this. And again, to, to build the sort of thing that we want to build, um, you can't bootstrap it. It's going to require venture capital, which gets you into the you know, uh, how do you return that capital someday? Because there's the expectation that, you know, you're going to raise this money and then do something with it and then eventually, um, you know, make it big. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, it's stressful. And there is a long, you know, for a long while, I wasn't convinced that, um, you know, is a, is a product like Gowalla even capable of, you know, creating venture sort of returns and like the original koala didn't quite know what it wanted to be when it when it grew up was it a game was it a, you know <laughs> right, right. was it a social network and there was all this pressure at the time for us to to grow into something like facebook or twitter and you know we obviously you know failed to achieve that vision and and at that scale you kind of have this big free product that makes money off of ads um and, and i'm not convinced that a product like you know koala as it was originally conceived uh, can achieve that sort of scale, nor does it seem very fun. Um, but five years ago, we watched, I mean, almost five years ago, exactly, we watched Pokemon Go launch. Right. And it was this like cathartic moment for me that, um, wow, well, somebody actually got millions of people to go out, explore the world, you know, with moving their physical bodies. And not only that, they, they you know, uh, made a billion dollar company in, in the process of it. And, um, uh, you know, you see applications or, you know, games like Fortnite and Roblox that bend, you know, uh, you know, bend reality around what's a game or what's a social network. Mm. And, and you start to realize, oh, there's actually these really large, is it a game? Is it, is it social media companies uh, that are, that are getting to massive scale? And, you know, I realized, man, this is, um, that's the sort of thing, you know, it's if, if Gowala is truly conceived, you know, as this, um, you know, gaming platform, uh, you know, that uses the real world as its canvas, um, there is this path to, to get to that sort of scale to justify, you know, raising venture money. And, um, and then the final piece uh, is kind of this question of like, well, you can't, you can't do the same thing over again. Uh, it has to be it has to be different and it has to be, uh, you know, GPS uh, was the uh, it was new and fresh a dozen years ago. But but now uh, just coming back out and saying, hey, we're going to give you badges for going places doesn't have quite the same appeal that it did then. And um, yeah, a number of years ago, you know, post the original Gowalla, but uh, I guess maybe seven or eight years ago, um my now co-founder uh, Patrick Pramonti and I uh, worked together on a, on another project, and um, Patrick is you know a former Apple engineer who uh, spent a lot of time working on like the compass and the gyroscope and things that make your your phone your iPhone work at Apple, uh, and then more recently you know about three or four years ago he began showing me these you know these AR projects that we was working on. And one of them was this uh, this product called Mirage. And at the time, uh, yeah, I had I just left the city, and and 
I, man, I really wanted to have the chance to work with him again. There's this really something really interesting happening around, you know, AR. And it was obvious that um, this predated Apple's AR kit, but that something was going to happen there. Uh, but the timing wasn't right. And as, you know, this last year is this vision for, you know, what Gowalla might look like uh, moving forward started to to gel in my mind. I realized, like, man, I've got to. Uh, I've got to convince Patrick to to join on, and um, you know about you know about a year ago uh, I approached him. We had we had been able to secure a, a small amount of money to begin you know incubating this thing. Uh, yeah, I could work from my my house, and um, and it turns out that Patrick was coming off of a, another startup himself, and and was extremely excited to go. Great back timing! And say, I mean, you couldn't have planned it better. Yeah, right? I mean, it's just like all the things fell into place, and it was like, what happens when we take um, you know this beloved brand and community, and um, you know, ask ourselves now, okay, we have we have the camera on your phone, we have this vision and sort of the world around us. Um, how do we use this to, you know, inspire people uh, to go back out when the world begins to to open up again, and and that's where we find ourselves now, and it's really exciting, and I think this, um, you know, this is a, a fun time to you know to have a chance to share some of the story uh, of how we got to this point, and um, you know, uh, before we tell you too much more, I think it's. Um, it's probably worth going back and and uh, diving into the roots of, of what made Guala special to begin with. Right. I mean, like asking the question, like, how did it all start? How who who are you and how did it and how did it begin? And how, what what's the story? How did you get here? Let's see. Uh, I'm a designer by trade. So I, I used to push pixels with 100 percent of my time. And now I I still push pixels, but but less so. And somewhere along the way. I got fascinated with like social media and the gaming space and kind of accidentally created what was the first Gowalla. And in the times since I've, uh, I've worked as a product manager at a big tech company. Um, I've gone back to my design roots and, and now I'm, I'm doing this thing again. And that's, I mean, that's something I think everyone wants to hear about, especially me. Now I have no involvement with Gowalla except as kind of being your friend and as being a, a, a user of the Guala app for a long time. And my background's really, I mean, I did software development. I did it. I was in tech. I eventually I was like a CTO of a San Francisco startup for a while. And then I threw everything I had into podcasting about 16 years ago. And so that's been my every single day, like full-time thing. I'm, I'm sure some people who are listening to this know who both of us are, but I feel like that's enough of a jumping off point. They can figure the rest out as we talk, right? They're smart people. 16 16 years in podcasting is (laughs) is pretty amazing. That's like, um, it's like doing an NFT startup now. (laughs) See, I think, (laughs) I think so. And I think, you know, like back then there were seven, eight people listening to the podcasts, but now, as you know, it's, it's a big enough deal that, we thought we would do this one. And so now you and I have known each other. I was trying to think of this before we were talking today, when and how we actually 
like started talking to each other and I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember. I know it was a long time ago. We, we were both definitely, there's that old web scene, you know, yeah. that was very, very much early South by Southwest yes. kind of everyone comes to Austin and this is, <laughs> I don't know, 2004, 2005. Right. And um, it was still held in four banquet rooms or whatnot right, right. And, and i feel like everyone kind of knew everybody at that point which is fun it was really intimate at that time and i'm sure we crossed paths you know uh, during that era at some point yeah because i couldn't remember i couldn't remember it but i just like one day we were talking and then that that's been it and so now here we are it's uh it's 2021 and goala is coming back but before we talk about Goala coming back, like there's so many stories I'm sure that you have about the first Goala. And I would love to hear about that because I think it would be very interesting to people who are in software development, app development, design, interested in maybe starting their own thing, whether it's a business or just a side thing or getting investment. You did all of those things. Like you did all of that. And I would love to hear that story. I mean, take us back like how did Guala start in the very beginning like where did it come from yeah I, when you when you asked me about you know doing this podcast before and, and I started thinking uh, yeah man there's so many exciting things to talk about now but there's so many of the stories from the original Guala that just have never been told yeah. uh, and for good reason uh, some of it's painful some of it um there's probably confidentiality reasons at the time that, you know, we, we couldn't talk about. And so, yeah, you start thinking where, where do you go back and, uh, and even start and, you know, the, the ultimate, you know, demise, if you will, of the original Gowalla was that we, you know, we sold to Facebook, quote unquote, sold to Facebook, which was a you know an, an aqua hire situation that we can you know talk about later right like obviously point. there's got to be some things you still won't be able to talk about I imagine right like a few no, I'm sure I probably signed some papers that I you know <laughs> but but I think it's interesting it's interesting to discuss that but I, but just talking about um, you know those those old days in Austin uh, and South by Southwest and that was such a part of the DNA of our uh, of our company and you know when we shut it down and, and left, you know, that was the closing of, of the door. And, and now to go back and kind of open that up and, and examine it is, is, um, it feels like just a really unique experience. And, um, yeah, I guess the, the background I mentioned, you know, that I'm a, I'm a designer by trade. Um, for some reason I, one of my first jobs, golly, you, you, do we want to go right back? Should we do this? Should let's we go, go back. Like back? Let's go like, like what, yeah, what, hit the, the way the back uh, machine button and let's go do it. So, so I interned uh, as a as a designer um, uh, at my church growing up. So we'll we'll get you know we'll get really into the into the weeds here. They it was a kind of your typical um, Texas you know evangelical mega church that had a. Um, uh, a media department and they were looking for someone to volunteer, you know, time there. And, and so I did, and it gave me access to, you know, Mac computers and, you know, a bunch of technology stuff that, you know, typical, 
you know, 15, 16 year old, you know, wouldn't have. And this was like early days of, of Mac OS. And I got into, um, uh, in my spare time, like resource editing the operating system and like digging <laughs> right. in and, and oh, what, what can I do to mod this thing out and nearly lost my job um, trying to edit the trash can icon uh, because that was, you know, you had to get pretty deep down in order to, you know, make edits at that level. And uh, I messed up some hard drives and you know, <laughs> lost some files. Uh, but I figured out how Oops. to change, you know, change, change the hard drive icon. And, and th- you're like, what, why is this even relevant? But that was kind of my first um, love for like pixel art and this idea that, oh, you can get into res edit and you can click these pixels off. And it was really interesting. And I got into designing icons as a hobby. And it turns out that, you know, fast forward four or five years, if you remember some of the guys at, uh, at Icon Factory, which oh, yeah. is another, you know, kind of uh, old web sort of name, old Mac OS development sort of name. Um, you know, there there was a kind of a scene of early iconographers, people that uh, had been brought together by that community. And I got to know several people as part of that. And and began, you know, doing work, um, studio work for both startups and um, uh, larger, you know, Hewlett Packard, Samsung, Microsoft sorts of sorts of companies. And eventually had, you know, more work than I knew what to do with. And I uh, managed to convince two of these other icon designers, uh, a fellow by the name of John Marstall and a, a, another gentleman by the name of Brian Brasher to, you know, come on and and kind of join up and, and to do do work together. Uh, some of y'all may know Brian still now, by he goes by the moniker Ether Brian, and we've worked together for, golly, probably close to 15 years now uh, through four or five different, you know, failed and successful entities of various kinds. But uh, Brian and John and I started working together and we had built this business up and and eventually uh, started, you know, as was the time, you know, spending about half our time on internal products and in addition to our, our client work. And one of these projects uh, was a site called Icon Buffet. And I Icon remember Buffet that. Was, I totally remember yeah. that. So th- this is the roots. This is the genesis of it all. Icon Buffet was, um, for us, we designed it as a bit of a a marketing gimmick, if you will, to get people to share our work around. And and so if you recall, you know, we would, you could sign up, you got, you know, you became a member of the the club. And every week or, you know, every few days, we'd send, you know, free icon sets, uh, but we'd send them to different groups of people. So no one ever got you know, all the icons, you would only get a, you know, maybe 20% of them by default. And the only way to get all of them was to trade the other sets around. And so, you know, with, with each set that we sent you, you had the ability to pass it on to so many other people. And it was kind of this just viral marketing gimmick for people to pass the icons around. And eventually we kind of researched the community was like, Oh, we'd love to see, what you're using these icons for, like show us the project, show us the things that you're doing with it. Cause we expected out oh, that stock work people, you know, um, do stuff that's productive with it. And then it turns out, we found out that like they, people never actually use them for anything. They just wanted to collect the icons. And here we were drawing 
random bits of art that people were, you know, passing around in kind of this quasi game sort of, you know, community. And, uh, and that was a really kind of enlightening and surprising uh, moment for us. And as it, uh, as it happened at the same time, I was, uh, we were doing client work for a company out of Berkeley called Causes. And Causes was doing um, kind of nonprofit phil- philanthropy pages that were built on top of a Facebook platform. This, was, this would have been like 2007. Hmm. And one of, the, uh, one of the co-founders of Causes was a fellow by the name of Sean Parker. And Sean was um, uh, portrayed by Justin Timberlake in the film The Social Network, uh, much to his chagrin and perhaps later delight. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but, 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 but early on, it was, uh, it was definitely, you know, an unknown of how that would, that would turn out. And, and it was weird. I, at the time, we were, we were a remote team. I was still living in Dallas. And uh, to kind of bizarrely become, you know, uh, connected with Sean through uh, doing work with this company remotely. And then eventually I started coming out to Berkeley and spending time with them. And, and we were doing iconography and UX work for the project. And, and one night, like I was there at the Causes office at like um, two in the morning or I mean, I kid you not, two in the morning. And Sean looks over my shoulder and he's like, well, what are you working on there? And I said, well, this is Icon Buffet. It's this thing that we built and, and here's what it does. And I showed him around and, and, and he was kind of like, well, huh, uh, I, I'd give you money for that if you put it on a Facebook platform. <laughs> and, I was, and it was one of those like, you, you what now? He's like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I'd write you a check if you wanted to work on that full time. And it was kind of one of those head scratch moments of like, really, you think people would be into this? And, and he said, yes. And, and fast forward, that, that's what happened. Um, the Sean wrote a, wrote an angel check and, and Brian and, uh, John and, uh, my, my co-founder Scott at the time, he was responsible for a lot of the technical stuff we were working on. You know, we, we spun out you know, spun a company out and said, okay, let's, um, let's rebuild icon buffet, like as a game, uh, without, any sort of trappings of, hey, it's a marketing, you know, gimmick for, you know, our commercial work, but let's just build a game out of it. And we took the same basic underpinnings and built a, a, a social game on top of Facebook platform in the very early days called Packrat. And this is crazy, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> so. And the what year so was this, do you feel? Th- this w- this is 2007. Seven. Um, okay. Yeah. And again, this is early days of, of you know, Facebook Connect, Facebook platform. It, 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 I mean, it was barely a year off of being, you know, even opened up to people beyond universities. Um, and. So we took a lot of these same game mechanics and said, hey, let's just draw these families of kind of icons and take some Pokemon sort of uh, inspired uh, mechanics and and build a a bit of a card trading game um, that you could play with your friends. And and that was Packrat and Packrat ended up, you know, we launched it somewhere uh, toward the the end of, of 2007 and it became this bizarre cult hit sort of, 
you know, game on Facebook. And at one point, you know, I want to say like 10 or 15% of like Facebook's platform traffic was being generated, not in like, like actual absolute user numbers, but in like, you know, page view numbers was being generated by Packrat because the users were so addicted to just like clicking through um, everybody's cards to see, you know, what, what their friends had and, and what they wanted to trade for, what they wanted to steal. And it was just this kind of bizarre uh, community that grew up around it. And, and next thing you know, um, it was making money and it was growing and we'd, we'd grown the team. And we had this, you know, we started asking ourselves, well, like, okay, well, what do we do next? And, and so were and, you, I mean, were you physically still in Dallas at this point or where? Yeah. You the, the, the team was largely in, in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Not, there were some people working remote still, but, uh, but the headquarters was there. And um, again, I was splitting time. We, we had, what was, uh, we had gotten a million dollars from, uh, from Sean and then another million dollars in investment from uh, a gentleman named Gilman Louie. And Gilman uh, was a partner at a, a firm called Alsup Louie. And uh, he had, uh, maybe at the time he was still on the board of Wizards of the Coast, which is kind of the, the company behind Magic the Gathering. Right. Gilman was kind of a, uh old school um, gaming guy he i try to remember which flight simulator uh he wrote but like one of the old ones like he actually wrote the sim you can go you know look it up and uh and just old school gaming guy and so i was like well let's get sean he knows this social media stuff <laughs> and gilman kind of knows this game stuff and they can we can ride with them on because we're just like we're just designers you know we don't we don't know um don't really know games uh, we had some intuition on social, but, you know, that wasn't really our background either. And um, and so here we are. And, and now all of a sudden, like VC, real VC money is turning to this space. And you had real social gaming companies like Zynga getting funded. And we right. kind of had this like, you know, during the headlights moment, I'm like this, you know, I'm a kid from uh, from Dallas going, well, geez, I don't know what I'm doing out here. And, and I got this you know, this venture capital money that they've given to us and, and what are we going to do? And, and there's pressure now you've, you've built one game, you know, what are you going to do next? Uh, and, and so we decided to spend, you know, a number of months just kind of workshopping uh, a lot of other, you know, concepts uh, and a lot of them shared. So they, like, had, they, they had given you investment money, just kind of thinking like you're doing cool stuff, do something cool. Or did you have to give them like a roadmap and a playbook and like all of that pitch in the, in the pitch? We definitely gave them a, a roadmap and a playbook. So it wasn't like fly by the seat of your pants. And we had, you know, again, demos from products that we we built before. Um, so they knew that we were capable of like delivering software. And we had generally you know, kind of the idea of like, here's, here's, you know, the game that we would build first again, what, what became pack rat. So there's enough there that, um, they bought into it and said that, yes, this makes sense. And, uh, and whether or not we, we really knew what we were doing, we certainly, uh, we got lucky, you know, on that first one. Um, and maybe it wasn't a home run, but it was a solid triple, you know, like right. coming out of the, right. you know, coming out of the gate. And it was like, oh man, this thing, this thing worked and like hundreds of thousands of people are, are playing it. And a significant percentage of them are giving us money. 
uh, to play it, and we were profitable like within six months. Oh my so god! So even like That's on the crazy. on the v- yeah, so even on the VC money, like we were starting to have more money, you know, at the end of every day than we started with, uh, and so it was kind of like, oh, this could work. This is interesting. Uh, and so that's when it was like, there, there's kind of two paths at that point. You decide, okay, well, does Packrat have enough in the tank that like we can scale it to more users or do we need to find, or is the theme of it niche enough, if you will, that we need to find like other, other niches that you could take the same mechanic, but like rebrand it with a different theme to, you know, appeal to, um, a different audience. And of course, like Zynga became the masters of this. It was like, they're all the same games like Farmville, Frontierville, you know, scuba divingville. But, you know, the you change the artwork out and you change the mechanics a little and, and then you find a different audience. And um, and so we were we were looking at some of that and it was like, well, what else can we build, you know, given our um, our skill set and, and what we you know, what we know. And we were you know, we were playtesting like kind of like nature games and mafia godfather games and we had this one called you know smog of war which sounds like very prescient now that was like, right. like a it was like a uh it was effectively like a monopoly but you get to destroy the earth and we had all this great concept art it's like the whole goal was like um sim city but who could build the most you know factories and and coal belching stuff uh to ultimately you know, destroy the planet, obviously like tongue in cheek and let this be a lesson. <laughs> and of course now you're like, Oh man, that turned out to be real. <laughs> so, this is so crazy. Uh, um, and, uh, and in the midst of all that, um, the iPhone launched oh. and, and so here we are, we're, we're, we're testing all these game ideas and, and the iPhone comes around and, and the next thing you know, the iPhone 3G lands and this would have been what sometime, you know, mid late 2008. And now there's a, you know, there's an announcement. There's a new iPhone. This iPhone has uh, a developer platform. So now other people can build, you know, build apps for it. Not only that, it has uh, a GPS chip in it. And, you know, we're all we were all sitting around in the office. And it was just one of those like, man, I wonder what we could build. Like, could we build one of our games on uh, on the iPhone? And what what would Packrat look like on the iPhone? And and then it was well, what would Packrat look like if it if like the icons that you got were based on the places that you went? And we could use that GPS chip to uh, let you, people I mean, go. This different- was all that clear for you, for like. Right away in the beginning, there. But so here's the deal: is like I've always had, I've always been a collector, you know. Um, and I think a lot of people are, you know, you collect things. Um, and for me, it was like road trips growing up, and you know, you go to national parks and you get the souvenir. You, you know, drive to the random, you know, Chashki souvenir stores on the the side of the road. My family went out to New Mexico a lot from Texas when I was a kid. And so you have all these souvenirs that you, you collect over time. Uh, and so, and again, I was, I was about to say, I've been a little bit of a pack rat, but maybe that's even some of, we, we named a game after that. And so I've always had this fascination with um, the things that we collect, you know, as people. Uh, and then also kind of this long-term belief that over time, the generation, you know, I, I feel like I'm in the transition, but certainly the generation that follows ours 
I'll bucket us in the same like quasi old generation now. Right. Um, we're not that old, but no. you know, we're we're definitely older than <laughs> older than the TikTok kitties. Yeah. And um, and so you know, I definitely had this belief that okay, all these things that we collect um, physically. Are, are going to become digital collections. And that much has been very clear this whole time. And it, and it was, you know, it was one of the things that fueled this idea. Oh, let's collect icons for Icon Buffet. Oh, let's, you know, the things that were Pokemon cards, let's collect those in this card game on Facebook. And it was Packrat. And then it was like, oh, well, um, what if all, you know, all these stamps in your passport and all the... Um, uh, you know, the tchotchkes that you collect from your, your travels. Uh, what if we, you know, what if we made that into, you know, uh, a, a digital form and a game as well? And so while the specifics may have been fuzzy, like the, the, the thesis there, I think, has always been pretty clear and uh, has been a, you know, fascination of mine that has never really, you know, gone away. Um, and so while I, I probably I'd say I'm a, you know, I'm an amateur when it comes to uh, games or, or game design or anything like that, I certainly um, have a deep, deep fascination uh, and I think, you know, a reasonable understanding of, of kind of this idea that uh, all these physical collections that have followed us around our lives uh, will we'll find you know their way to be to be digital at some point. Just in large part, my original assumption is like we just don't want the crap. You know, like yeah. I, part, you know, I, I I watched my grandparents, you know, collect all these wonderful things, and then as you know, as, as they pass on, it gets you know passed down the line, and and you end up inheriting all this stuff. It's like this is great, and now where do I put it? You know, it's funny. Story. It's so funny that you mentioned that because recently my uh, my mom moved back here to Austin. And she brought all of this stuff with her. A lot of it was hers, but a lot of it was like my grandparents as well. And, you know, they've been, they passed away a a long time ago, but there's still like stuff that they had that were collections, like coin collections, stamp collections. And, and, you know, I mean, like one of the things that my granddad had sort of collected over the years was an amazing, really amazing, like vinyl record collection, specifically like jazz and big band. And I actually have like a record player, but I'm, I mean, I know I'm not gonna like put these on and and play them the way that maybe he would have back in in the day. But I mean, he hadn't been using these things and playing them since the, probably, I don't know what the eighties, seventies, who knows when last time that he had these, but like, it's, it's so funny that you mentioned it because collecting things digitally requires essentially no resources other than a hard drive in the cloud somewhere or a you know a few dollars uh to your to your storage bill you know and it's that, that's right it, whereas these physical things are you know i used to collect comic books i loved comic books when i was a kid growing up and i would bag and board them and all the nerd stuff and then at some point i just had all these long boxes i'm like what am i doing with all of this stuff like they're cool but I'm not going to read them again. And why have I been right. saving, you know, like, like book number 287 of the amazing Spider-Man where he, you know, stops a bank robbery. Like, why am I saving that? What is that for? Do I need that? But like, yeah, sure. I might have that on the iPad digital version. Sure. That's different. You know? 
That, that's right. And, it, and it's interesting. I think back at the same time, you know, growing up as a kid, it was you, you had like garbage pail kids and you had, right. you know, there's all these weird things. And, and now in retrospect, um, you know, my belief is there's really there's two reasons, at least why I collect things. And I and imagine there may be more, but I think these two are are pretty um, universal to, to most people. One is, you know, one is like social proof. There's there's collecting for the you know, I was there or this is this is proof of of the thing that I did or I went to like concert tickets or right. your badge from that cool conference you went to or something. Correct. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a social proof aspect of it. And then the other is, is the more, you know, sentimental It's the story side of it is I'm, I'm holding on to this because of of the memory associated with it or it reminds me of that time when right and and i think that's what those are the ones that like it's really difficult if you're if you are like a a physical collector to 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 pass on that stuff because it does have the sentimental value and and so that's why i've always had this you know what if you um what if you could scratch that same itch in a in a digital sort of way where uh, you didn't accumulate all the the boxes, but at the same time, uh, you had that that sort of oh yeah, here's that record of of that trip that I made, or the again the proof that I was at the concert, or um, you know, and I think things like you know Instagram have obviously come along more recently with with photos that are shared at the moment that kind of you know capture some of that. Um, but it, it still misses out on, you know, this idea, uh, part of the part about like the collectibles that were interesting was maybe this idea that not everybody has one of these or, you know, there's a shared experience of, you know, only so many of us have, uh, the ticket stubs from that event or only so many of us were able to buy, you know, the, the the latest vinyl toy you know when it when it dropped on on that given day right and so there's there's some of that that uh again i I wonder like you know how do we how do we recreate that in a a digital sense and so um yeah kind of returning back to you know uh that moment in time when the iphone landed it was this oh this is really cool and now we have this we now we have a device it's aware of where i am and um, I guess the other thing too, geocaching had also started to become a little bit popular at that time. And of course, that was very, very web based. But it was this idea of oh, you get a you know GPS um, device and you know go out and hunt for things that people left in the real world. And so the same thing is like, well, that's kind of cool, but also. I don't want to collect somebody's random stuff that they left in a film canister <laughs> field, but like, <laughs> right. What, what, if, what if it was, you know, um, uh, what if it was a cool icon? You know, I could, I went to the empire state building and there was something that I got there. Or, uh, what if I went to, into a field and there was, you know, uh, a message that had been left there, you know, by a friend digitally. And those were the sorts of things that we began, you know, thinking about with, with Gowala and, and so I remember it was it was late late 2008 uh, I want to say you know September October and we had had a board meeting you know with Sean and Gilman and uh, kind of presented you know these these different ideas of like oh here are these different games that we could we could build kind of you know sequel or tail on to Pack Rat 
or uh, or we had this concept uh, and we had like working title is called destinations. So we have this concept called destinations and destinations is like pack rat only, you know, it's on, you know, it's on the iPhone and you go places and you find stuff, you know, in the real world based on the places that you go. Right. And, and we, we showed kind of the concept for that and resoundingly coming out of that meeting was a, yeah, let's skip all this other stuff. iPhone is going to be, you know, it's going to be this huge platform. Uh, let's invest in it and and build that way. And so at that point, we kind of put all of our resources into that bucket, you know, with a plan to uh, launch uh, what ultimately would become, you know, Goala V1 uh, at South by Southwest in, uh, in March of, of 2009. And, uh, and so we had about a, you know, there's like a six month timeline you know, at that point, right. uh, to, to build this thing on. Uh, and we were still, we were still in Dallas. We were kind of in like one of these mixed use sort of, you know, communities where it's very, very, you know, very Dallas, um, with, uh, <laughs> yeah, it looks like, a an old, uh, an old brownstone sort of, you know, town square that you'd find in Boston that's 200 years old, only it was built last week and right. <laughs> you know <laughs> right uh, and so we were in one of those developments and that's that's where we were you know uh play testing this thing and it was literally like hey let's you know walk downstairs and leave a uh a virtual frisbee in the in the park and you go see if you can pick it up with a uh with your phone and um the team was uh probably seven or eight people, you know, at that time. Um, uh, we had a, a couple engineers, couple designers, uh, myself, uh, Keegan Jones, if people from, again, the old web days, kind mm-hmm. of remember Keegan had, had joined at the time um, and was doing a lot of the, the mobile design for us. And uh, we had a, a person who was, who was um, doing kind of, community support and, and that was that was the the group at that at that point um and it was definitely like this feeling like this is this is interesting and i remember that the first sort of um i walked somewhere and the interface changed you know i had this button that said you know check in and we had decided like oh well, how do you announce that you're at a place well you check in at a hotel or an airport so we'll you know, we use check-in and, and that of course, you know, became, um, uh, bigger than we ever, you know, yeah, I mean, what, you be. guys like <laughs> innovated that, right? Like there was no checking in before you guys started letting people check in. Except, uh, you know, and we'll get to this except for, you know, Foursquare, which right. happened to, to do it at the, at the exact same time. Right. And, and um, you know, we so far be it for me to, to to take credit for for that, but like great great minds think alike, perhaps. Um, the uh, I remember though we you know this idea that you actually had to go to a place and the and the button would light up and now I can check in here and then I got some reward for that and it, and it felt really magical and so. You know, we we spent um, you know that six month time you know working quickly. Uh, we would we knew launching in in Austin that we were going to uh, need a fairly deep and robust experience. You know, there at South by Southwest, all these tech people coming in. 
Uh, well, should we spend a lot of time down there, you know, uh, playtesting it, uh, creating, you know, content that was specific to the to the geography in Austin and um, doing the same in the Bay Area and, and other places that we knew we were going to have, you know, reasonably large pockets of users, you know, early on. And uh, and then, yeah, we there we go. We launched it. um well, I can't recall the exact day now, but I want to say, you know, first or second week in March of, of 2009. Um, at South by. At South by yeah. Southwest. Yeah. What I do remember is that Foursquare launched on the exact same day. <laughs> and, oh, my gosh. And, and you had no knowledge of what they were doing, and they had no knowledge of what you were doing as far as you know, right? Not at all. Um, That's so crazy. We, it, it is crazy. And it was one of those... Um, it was very much a holy shit moment yeah. uh, to, to show up and, you know, see kind of a mirror image of the product that you had been working on, uh, conceived like with different DNA mm-hmm. and, and Dennis and Naveen, you know, had come from, you know, a different background than, than Scott or Keegan or myself um, had come from. And so the product manifested itself differently, but it was impossible to ignore at the end of the day. There's a giant button that says check in yeah. and and it gives you points and prizes when you press it. Um, so that was, I remember that night uh, that first, it was kind of like, I guess the night before, you know, South by Southwest kicks off for real. Cause there's like a half day yeah. you know, that they do. And if you, if you know Austin or you know um, you kind of the scene around South by Southwest, there's a uh, you know bar slash coffee shop called Halcyon on mm-hmm. uh, on Fourth Street, and and Scott and Keegan and I were I remember we were sitting in Halcyon when um, uh, all of a sudden this I don't know TechCrunch article I don't know what it was you know somebody here's this Foursquare thing. Um, and we we launched it, and it was it was like oh my gosh these these guys are doing the same same thing that that, that we're doing, and we all downloaded it, um, and immediately like there was a little bit of like a breath of uh, of relief because right. you know we we're we're design snobs, and you know we we had designed this beautiful thing, and uh, you know we thought it was beautiful, and all this attention to detail, and and Foursquare. Um, you know, it was, a, uh, you know, again, no offense to uh, Dennis and Devine and the team working on it at the time. And like, it felt a little more raw and, um, uh, you know, not, not perhaps as, as polished. Uh, what I later, you know, come to learn is that like, it didn't matter. And they, they had, you know, due to Dennis's previous experience with dodgeball and otherwise had, had worked out oh, some of the I other remember kink, that too. kinks, if you will. Yeah, so so in a way, like Foursquare was the was you know the dodgeball sequel, right? And uh, and so there was certain you know insights that that they already had that we did not, right? Uh, and so while we may have you know we had a little bit of a a more polished design, there were there were other functional things that were you know out of the gate better. Um, but one of the things I you know we immediately you know we all downloaded Foursquare and we all started checking in. Um, and ours was like, it was very gamey. And so this whole idea is like, well, we're going to give you these rewards and these, these virtual goods that you can get, uh, for checking in places. And so if we're going to give you that, 
you know, that reward for, uh, you know, going to Stubbs Barbecue, like, by God, you better be at Stubbs Barbecue. And so we were really, you know, we were really strict on our, you know, Right. You couldn't, you couldn't like just do like a drive by check in quite as easily. No, no. Yeah. You couldn't do that sort of stuff, especially not, not in those early days. So we were, you know, we had it locked down. Um, again, we were, (laughs) we were like, this is, this is the game. This is our morals. And so, you know, uh, (laughs) right. Right. So you load up Foursquare and they're just like, oh, yeah, you can check in wherever you want. There was no, like, the GPS was being used to, you know, aid the experience, but there was no, you know, no lockdown. So all of a sudden I'm like, oh, well, I can check in at, you know, this place across town and I'm not really there. And, and, um, you know, and so Scott and I and, and Keegan, we all started, it was like, oh, man, the more we check in, the more points that we could get. And kind of like, you know, um, a little douchey, but, you know, next thing you know, like we were all at the top of the four square leaderboard, you know, just oh, like man. clicking around. And it was just one of those like, um, you know, it wasn't malicious. It was just how does this work? You know, because we were curious. And I think we had been there like maybe an hour of just like punching buttons on four square. When all of us get this email from Naveen, like, you know, out of the blue. And it's just like. You know, hey guys, welcome to Foursquare. I I shut your accounts down. Oh, really? <laughs> they didn't. No, he didn't shut our accounts down, but like he, they basically nerfed all of our points. Really? You know, for just <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and That's again, hilarious. Like, I've never heard that before. Totally hilarious. Yeah. So so we all you know we were being dorks. Uh, to be fair. Um, but yeah, that was kind. I of mean, the were first... you doing it in a in a kind of a malicious way, or were you just having fun? It was more having fun, but it was definitely like a, oh, well, let's just like, here's how broken this thing is. You can check in anywhere from anywhere. And um, <laughs> again, like, like, <laughs> it was kind of short-sighted and shallow on our part. Um, but again, uh, that was our frame of reference. And so, uh, so yeah, I remember, you know, after we had successfully, I think Keegan at that point, Keegan was like checking happy. He's like, I'm checking it everywhere. I've got thousands of points, you know, <laughs> Just anywhere he could think of. Yeah. I was like, Oh, this is cool. And, and it was, you know, and the next thing you know, it was kind of like, oh, Hey guys, um, welcome to Foursquare. I'm glad you're enjoying the product. I've zeroed out your points. Oh my gosh. Um, and so, uh, which, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I would have, I would have done the same thing had the tables been had the tables been turned. But that was kind of our first like, oh, like oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be that way, right? You know? Right? Um, like comp- you're in of. competition, like legit now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and how long after <laughs> South by was that, or was this during? Was this oh, like that, the next that day? was that was the first night. That was the first night. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and, yeah, it's just incredible. And of course, you know, within 24, 48 hours, everyone's talking about both of these products. Right. You know, they're, they, you know they've been launched at South by and it became, you know, the, the talk of the of the festival. We had, um, you know, we had raised money and uh, and because we were, we saw Packrat, Packrat was still going and it was printing cash. We didn't need to raise again, you know, at, at that point in time. Uh, and so we didn't, these are things that I know better now. Like I should have just like gone, gone ahead and like raised again at that moment. But it's like, ah, you know, this is also like the, the, um, 37 signals days of, oh, VC is evil. So, oh, yeah, you know, if sure, you don't sure. need it, don't take a day. So, uh, so there is, 
you know, kind of those undertones of, of, well, we didn't, we were, we were from Texas. We're like cut from the cloth sort of engineers. We're not going to go, you know, overly raise money if we don't need to. And so we did, we probably should have. Um, but next thing, you know, you know, coming out of that, that South by, um, there's a lot of attention paid on both, you know, paid on both applications and, and, uh, Foursquare went and raised, uh, you know, a, a nice round out of, um, uh, Union Square and, and some of the, you know, some other uh, folks out of New York. And so at that point, it was like, oh, this is this is legit now. We've got a we've got a for real competitor. Uh, there were things about their product that were just like, um, you know, objectively better than ours. Mm. And they had some of the social kinks. I you mean, know, how did that feel? Out. You know, looking at something, first of all, you guys had kind of been creating this just I don't want to say in a bubble because that implies that you were naive in some way, but you weren't. I think it was just, you were just making a thing that you thought would be like cool and maybe profitable and fun. Right. But then it, right. it kind of got real at this point. It sounds almost. Sounds it it like. did. And the, the narrative changed very quickly uh, uh, for me, you know, building on the internet, it's always for better, or for worse. It's been, you know, it's been about the fun. Yeah. You know, if it's not fun, don't do it. Um, why waste your time? So, you know, I, I tend to migrate toward uh, products that are that are like that. Even the stuff that I that I work on that's serious, that's not, you know, fun. It's like, well, how do we make this fun? You know, we, we built an invoicing product. How do we make invoicing fun? So, you know, that's um, that's kind of the MO. And so building games, it's kind of this, it's fun. And even the game world itself, it's it's not um, it's not really a zero sum sort of you know business there's lots of game companies and you know just because you know you're you're playing you know this game doesn't mean you can you can't play that game and you know certainly there's competition but it's not again not zero sum and and coming out of that that south by southwest there was it wasn't just that this is these are games but it was like oh this is um you know quote unquote you know if 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 check in was the Batman gamification was the Robin of, you know, that, of that South by Southwest and all this attention was being paid to, okay, well, how do you badges? How do you gamify your product? How do you gamify social media? And will one of these companies become, you know, we saw, we had seen Twitter launch at South by a couple of years before. So now it was like, well, will Gowala or Foursquare, will they become, you know, the next Twitter and so while gaming may not be zero sum, uh, social media at the time was very much, you know, it oh, yeah. was zero sum. Oh, it yeah. was like, it was MySpace killed Friendster, Facebook killed MySpace, you know, <laughs> and, and you know, one of these companies is going to survive. And, and that was kind of, you know, what the, what the media said, uh, what investors said. And it, it really quickly became, okay, how do you, you know, you're in this zero sum game with Foursquare. Um, how are you going to compete? And, yeah. and that narrative got written really quickly. And, and, and to your point, we were naive in that regard and didn't know what, um, you know, how to prepare for that or, or what we had gotten ourselves into. And in retrospect, I think it's all bullshit. I think the whole, the, the zero sum stuff, you know, I mean, now you look at it and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, there's you know Snapchat and TikTok and Instagram and I mean, obviously all these companies have gotten really big but they're um uh this idea that 
the the industry the the market has also gotten so much bigger too to support you know all these different flavors of the world um but you know uh, again there there we were foursquare raised money um their product was uh was you know for every user that we were adding they were probably adding two or three uh some of that was the benefit of you know um New York, they were, you know, we were in, here we are in Texas, um, even still like Dallas on day one. So it was like, that was a, that was also the, oh, we got to fix this fast. You know, we're not going to be able to scale out of Dallas. So we, we quickly reload uh, to Austin. I mean, within months we, we had moved the team, you know, from, from Dallas down to Austin. And um, again, thankfully we were, we had, you know, cash coming, you know, coming off the sides from pack rat. That was so wait, to, all of you guys moved here. Like you were physically all in yeah. Dallas and you're like, we need to pick up. I, we're selling our homes. We're moving to Austin. Yep. yep. Yeah. Things that we've never talked about. Like 80% of us were in Dallas at the time, I think, you know, and so we kind of had a little bit of a, are we going to do this? Do we believe in this for real? And if so, do we believe we can hire and attract the sort of talent that we want to in suburban Dallas? Right. Um, and if not, where where do we want to be? Um, so, I mean, why and, and at again, that time did you pick? I mean, Austin was, I feel like, on the map. But a lot of why Austin, I mean, I think a lot of why Austin is on the map today is because of you guys. Like that, <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Like, yes, there were startups in Austin. There were a lot of startups in Austin, but you guys really were like visible, at least to me, at least to the space that I was in. It was like, oh yeah, like Austin is like the other place you can go to, to launch stuff now besides San Francisco. Like you can have a startup here in tech, in iOS development, in, you know, app development. Like it's a real thing. That, that's right. I mean, it, it, um, <laughs> I know you're, you're going to be too modest and humble to take any credit for it. But I mean, I, to me that you guys were one of the companies, then I'll, I'll say that, that I feel like really put Austin on the map. Right. Um, I, I thank you for that. I, uh, am I wrong? I mean, tell me I'm wrong. No, I'm I, don't, wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't think <laughs> I, the, at the time Austin. So here, here's what we did know. And what what led to the decision is it, it was not Silicon Valley, but it was a it was cool, you know, like it was a, it was a cool city. It was a place that was um, if you wanted to attract talent from the Bay, you could people would move there. Um, they're not moving to to Dallas. Furthermore, if you wanted to fish, you know, from within, you know, the pond that existed there. Um, there did, there was tech in Austin, given it was a lot of enterprise tech, but there were, there were gaming companies there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trilogy was there, there, you know, there were, you know, um, uh, there was evidence uh, South by Southwest was there. And so it was a, the, the choices for us were we could spend, um, you know, we could spend this money to relocate the team. We could all move to the Bay area. Uh, which the cost of living adjustment from Dallas was going to be, you know, I'm sure two X for everybody. Yeah. Uh, at least, or we can move down the street to Austin, which, um, uh, maybe isn't the Bay, but, um, our investors are cool with it. They, they don't mind coming to Austin. There's a gaming, there's a gaming scene there. There's a, there's a tech scene there, even though it, it leans enterprise, we can hire, we can, in fact, we can be the coolest game in town, you know, because, um, 
everyone will, you know, would love to work for us as opposed to whatever, you know, enterprise software company they're working for now. Right. And, um, uh, and the cost of living adjustment is maybe, you know, a 20% bump instead of a hundred percent bump. And, and so that was, you know, that was kind of the rubric that we, we made that call from. And it was, it was familiar to me. Um, I, I had grandparents, that, you know, I grew up going to Austin, you know, most of my life. Um, my dad was from near there. And so, you know, it was a lot of like, it, it's already a little bit of a, a second nature sort of place. Um, and, and we, we knew the folks at South by Southwest really well. And so it's like, Hey, let's just go be a part of this community. It's closer um, the moving, you know, the moving out west. It's it's not uh, particularly destructive to our team. Mm-hmm. Like we could stage that move um, easily enough, and then and the cost of and the overhead of doing it, you know, wasn't um, terribly egregious, you know, as well. And so yeah, we we up and moved, and everyone, you know, everyone made everyone who was in Dallas made the move, you know, down to um, down to Austin at that point. So nobody uh, nobody stayed. Nobody said no. Nobody, nobody said no. Uh, like I said, we cool. had um, Brian, who does uh, again all of our iconography. He uh, he lives in Birmingham, and and he's worked remotely, you know, uh, with me for all this time. Or I've worked remotely with him. I'm not sure who's who's running the show at this point. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but but aside from Brian, yeah, everyone everyone you know made the jump, and um, which was just amazing. But I think also like a testament to how much everyone believed in what we were building. And the opportunity, you know, that we had uh, to make something great. And it, it really, I think, solidified kind of the DNA of the company of being, you know, kind of a, it was it was about Austin. And Austin, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, if if there were these pillars of belief behind Koala and one of these pillars was this idea that, you know, all all collections or collectibles um uh, will become digital at some point. Uh, the other, the other pillar is this idea that uh, that place and a sense of place uh, is inerrant to kind of our core social identity. And I think this is one of the things that like Facebook never got, mm. and I still don't think they they get it. Is that like so much of our identity is tied to um, where we live, where we grew up, where we've traveled. And it's this expression of of who we are as as individuals, uh, and Foursquare certainly got that. It, it was like New York was such a it's such a great city to build this sort of product in because you have you have so many neighborhoods and and so many different um, haunts and people you know associate. Here's my bar. Here's my coffee shop. Here's where I hang out with my friends, and all these are like um, you know little touch points that define who you are as an individual. And Austin is just, it's a great, um, it's a great city for that sort of, that sort of identity. And there were, you know, it's a city known for its, its music venues and it's, it's nightlife and it's bars and it's restaurants. And we really believe that, you know, if we were going to build this product about sharing, you know, the best places that the world has to offer, uh, that Austin was a you know an archetypal sort of city uh, to build this product in, and, and I, I believe that uh, that was true then, and I you know I still believe it now that there are these sorts of places that are that are kind of magical in that regard. You know, um, 
traffic and growth notwithstanding at this point right. you know it, it felt that way you know to us at that time and um you know certainly uh i think still holds you know still holds true now so yeah that, that's where we we all landed and um you know found found office space there um golly so everyone now the whole team is there the whole team is here right here in austin probably down the street from where i am right now somewhere and we were fifth and rio grande okay so you're a little more than down the street but not you know 15 minutes yeah so we were if you if if you recall too we were basically a block around the corner our office is a block around the corner from uh from mellow johnny's which is oh yeah you know lance lance armstrong's bike shop uh slash juan pelota coffee shop and that became kind of like you know ground zero for us as a company um we were still big lance fans at that time and everyone was though let's be honest everyone was a huge lance fan that's right um and so we you know we made that move while we were you know busy working on okay we we can look at foursquare and we see that there are you know kind of ways that we need to improve there are parts that we we did well and that we believe in that are right and there's some other things that um uh we need to make uh need to make some significant improvements on uh, in order to you know kind of get our growth back in line uh with what with the numbers that we knew they were you know they were growing at and they were really good at defining that as well i mean they were very public about oh we have this many users and this many check-ins you know and was this that month. i mean was uh, that your measure of success at that point rather than you know we're we're making such and such amount of money it's this is how many check-ins we have this is how many users we have this is our growth every day that was were those the numbers that you guys were looking at that that was yeah that, and that's where we messed up i think that um I, I have spoken about this a little bit before in the past but those were those were foursquare's you know public metrics and because we were in a battle to the death with foursquare they became our our our, our metrics as well uh. and and you know that was a, a failure on you know our part to kind of uh you know reframe the way we saw the world uh, and instead kind of compete on, you know, uh, on their measurement for success, which, you know, we were not, we were behind. Uh, we were doing the, 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 the part that, that was scary is that we weren't bad on those metrics. We were good. They were just at that time, they were great. And so that's the drug is like, Oh, we can, we can take these good metrics and somehow we can like crank them to be on par. Mm. Um, which, Again, you come to find out that actually, you know, being uh, being on par isn't good enough. You know, you kind of have to figure out how do you how do you level up the narrative, and and so that's what we were busy doing. We were busy trying to figure out, okay, how do we how do we improve, you know, signups? How do we uh, leverage social connections, you know, through Facebook and Twitter more? Um, how do we? get those check-in numbers to go up. And we spent a lot of time at the same time we were, you know, going through this move, you know, building a a 1.1 of Gowalla. And we launched it, you know, probably three or four months later, you know, it probably landed, I want to say in July, again, mid move. um, But it hit well and it solved a lot of those, you know, a lot of those issues that we, you know, that we had been struggling with. And and all of a sudden, you know, we had kind of had, um, steady but li- like linear growth you know coming out of south by southwest and all of a sudden it, it you know it, it took 
um, and and our numbers were going up, you know, overnight. Uh, and, and all of a sudden we went from this place of, oh, wow, it's, you know, this is real. Uh, and Packrat's making money, but now, you know, Guala is kind of growing again the way that we had hoped to see that it would grow, you know, from the get-go. And not, not growing because of South by Southwest, you know, induced hype. Right. But here we are three or four months beyond, and we've kind of gone through this valley, and now... Uh, now it's growing because we've we've tuned some of the, you know, some of the details right. And and then next thing you know, um, that's when the investors start. You know, that's when the investors started calling. And you know, it was fun. That was here. You are kind of, um, you know, a little bit of an a, a, an unknown commodity in Austin, and, and all of a sudden you have, you know, these uh, Silicon Valley firms that you've heard of. You know, calling like up, calling saying, you, saying, "Hey guys, yeah, we like what you're doing over there." That's right, that's crazy, and and that was, you know, that was um, uh, unexpected, and we realized, that, you know, at this point, you know, we needed to, you know, capitalize uh, on this moment, and we, you know, decided, hey, let's go ahead. You know, Foursquare had had raised; they maybe even raised a second round. You know, at that point, uh, I can't recall. But they had money in the bank, and we knew we needed to, you know, put fuel in the tank as well. Uh, and so we decided um, uh, to kind of do a bake-off, you know, in the game, if you will, um, to raise this money. And investors, you know, who may or may not ever listen to this thing, if, if they were around, they'll recall this this moment that was uh, – uh, we basically decided, hey, let's um, let's put all these VC firms that have that have called us uh, and that that have wanted a meeting with us. Let's put them all in Gowalla and let's like <laughs> make custom artwork for all their offices up and down Sand Hill Road and let's build like let's gamify like this experience of um, uh, of what's what's happening there and over a you know. I, ultimately, two or three period of time. I think originally I was like, oh, I'm going to go out for five days, and I ended up staying two or three weeks, you know, because things kind of got out of hand. Um, we would go and I go and do these pitch meetings at, at uh, uh, these investors, you know, offices, and you go in like, here's the pitch, and you get to kind of the demo points, like, oh, here's um, and here's how you check in, and you hit the check in button. Of course, the first thing that pops up at the top is, you know. Here's, you know, Excel or here's Greylock Partners or here's, you know, Andreessen Horowitz. Um, and it's their logo right in the app, you know, so and it cool. knows I'm here at your place. And um, and we had like, you know, done some custom work behind the behind the back end so that after I checked in, it actually like would reward me like a giant like golden coin or a big bag of money oh, or something man. like that. You know, it was like, <laughs> they you must know. have loved that. <laughs> Yeah, and so it was like this eye-popping moment, uh, and then, and then when you close the when you close the the check-in screen, you're kind of left back on your history, you know, of of the places that right. you've been. Yeah, and of course, my history was all these other like VC firms that I've been meeting with, and you just kind of like hold the screen there for a little bit, and then you like then you put the phone away. And but just like long enough for everyone's eyes to be like, oh shit, oh Look man, the, that's amazing. Know, Look at all the places that that he's been checking in, and um, and if you you wanted to, you could kind of like see my feed, uh, you know, up and down, you know, Sand Hill Road mm. of of all the 
all the investors that we had been meeting with. Um, and it was, uh, it was just crazy again from like, a um, Austin based, you know, you know, kind of company out of the weeds to have that sort of attention, um, from names that you never would have thought, you know, whatever, you know, pay, uh, pay the sort of credence that you, you know, you would expect. Um, and, uh, yeah, should I, should I stop here? I'm going to like, <laughs> yeah, this has been a great beginning to this story. I know there's a lot more and we haven't even started talking about what's going on right now in the new Gowala and everything you're doing. So if our listeners want to follow you on, on Twitter, are you on there? You, you're still on there, right? I'm so Yeah. Uh, sadly. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, I am it, too. It, <laughs> so, uh, so how do they follow you on Twitter? What's the best way to so, get in touch with you if they want to just follow you and see what's going on? So, so you can find me at uh, JW, just the two letters on Twitter, and or you can follow Gowala at Gowala, uh, because both of those accounts have been around since, you know, obviously the first Gowala happened, right. so it's been a while. And I, I try to keep it, you know, on content, but you'll also get some NBA, you know, you'll get some NBA news. I, I noticed well. that uh, last couple nights. Yeah, that's all right, yeah. though. That adds color to the whole thing. I'm at Dan Benjamin if you want to follow me on Twitter. And uh, stay tuned. We've got a lot more story uh, to come. So we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk next week, Josh. Have a good one. Thanks, Dan. Take care.